From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. We, uh, we're in week two of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We began the new year by... Um, choosing to fast over the course of 21 days and, and pray to seek God's will and to get guidance and, and really begin our new year off with focusing on Him. Excuse me. And I pray and hope it's going well for you, for those of you that are participating with, with us as a body. Uh, if you're struggling and it's challenging, you're in good company. You know, fasting is not meant to be an easy endeavor. It, by definition, there's, there's challenge there. It's the deliberate denial of a fundamental human need in order to focus on, on a spiritual need. I was thinking and reflecting on the scripture uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 4, I believe it is, where Paul says to young Timothy that physical training is of some value, but godly training has value in all things. And so we deliberately choose to not have something that we would consume regularly for the sake of focusing our attention in on God. You know, whether it be food or something else. You know, I was also mindful of, as I was reflecting the, this morning for this service, that we are, we are gluttons in our culture. We consume by nature everything. And what fasting does is it chooses to turn that off and say, okay, I'm going to say no to me and yes to you. Jesus practiced fasting, and he assumed his followers would do the same. And, and so we fast and pray together as a church. I like what Andrew Murray said he was a writer and pastor in the late 19th century. He said, fasting helps to express and to deepen and to confirm the resolution that we're ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. And there's that in his words, that scripture again, to offer your life as a living sacrifice, which is true and proper Worship. Now, if you didn't join us and you, if you forgot or you, you know, whatever, life happens, it's not too late to start. There's no like, oh, you missed the, you missed the starting point, so you can't start. You know, God's not going to accept yours now. That's not how it works, okay? It's a heart mentality. And so if you're like, oh, I didn't start, but I'd like to join, hey, join in by all means. If you're like a weekend and you're like, hey, do you know what? I, I, this was my fast and I forgot and I ate or I did this and ah, now God's looking. No, he's not. You know, it's a heart thing. There's no like, oh, you missed it, you can't join, or you're too late, or you're, there's none of that. It's just, God, I want to draw my attention to you by denying myself. And so by all means, join in. Now, um, I want to invite you over the next couple weeks, maybe you've already done so, but over the next couple weeks to join our prayer meetings. We have a prayer meeting Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m., and there's another one Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. And then what we're going to do to finalize our time of prayer and fasting is we're going to come together on January 27th, I believe it is, the last Saturday of, of the month, and come together for a night of, of prayer and worship and just really seek God together um, as a church. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. I want to invite you now to stand. Lots of invitations this morning. Psalms chapter 46, we're going to read the word together. I'm going to read the whole text here. It says this. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, 
Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. So, Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you've given it to us, God, that we may grow in holiness, God, and, and learn what it means to be followers of Christ, that we can learn from, from people, God, of old, and that their heart towards you, and here, even again. So we praise you for it. Teach us, God, in our hearts through your Holy Spirit something new. Give us new, fresh revelation this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take a seat. I want to share this morning from this idea, be still and get quiet. Be still and get quiet. Prayer doesn't begin with us, it begins with God. Prayer doesn't begin with us, it begins with God. Prayer by nature is the, is the relationship that we have between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and ourselves. And that relationship began by an invitation from, from God who came in the form of man and died on the cross to make a way for us to be with, with himself. And so prayer by nature begins with, with God and, and not with us. So before we open our lips and speak a single word to the creator of the universe, it's important that maybe we pause and posture ourselves before the person to whom we're speaking with. One of my children has a habit of going outside and playing and then coming back in the house and, and before they're even fully in the house, like before the door's closed or they survey their surroundings or what's going on or what's happening, they're speaking, they're talking. I, I kid you not, it's like they, they turn the knob and they start, start talking to us. And it's not like, hey, I'm home. It's like full-blown conversation. Like even if I was like being an attentive father, which I am sitting at the stairs waiting for my child to return in the house and, and, and ready to receive all that they have to say, I wouldn't even hear it because half of the conversation is on the other side of the door. And we can sometimes approach prayer like this. We're, we're hurried and we're busy and we're, and we're rushed and we're talking and we're opening our mouth and on our way before we even posture ourselves before the Lord of the universe. Trying to teach young kids about prayer that it's more than just talking at God, like he's a wall, but it's communion with the Lord of the universe to posture ourselves before him. Not that there is a correct posture, he's a good father and he welcomes us, but there's a peace that comes and there's a faith that grows by positioning ourselves before the Lord in prayer with stillness because he's God. Psalms 46 that we read, verse 10, God said it like this, Be still and know that I am God. This is a, this is a psalm from the sons of Korah. 
The sons of Korah were a team, basically, that David had set up to offer night and day prayer before the ark of the Lord in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Before Solomon, David's son, built the temple, there was a tabernacle where people would come and offer sacrifice of worship. And David, when he was first um, brought to the throne, one of the first things that he did is he brought the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord, back into Jerusalem. The Ark of, of the Covenant represented the presence of God, and it housed the, the stone tablets, which had the Ten Commandments written on it, and Aaron's budded staff. And he brought it back into Jerusalem, and then he set up ministers to minister before the Lord day and night. And many of our psalms actually came from this place of 24-7 worship, where people would just gather, ministering before the Lord. And I love that terminology, that they weren't ministering to people. They weren't serving people. They were, they were serving the Lord through worship and prayer and praise. And this is one of those psalms this is one of those psalms that we get from that place. This one in particular was written during a time when the enemy forces were surrounding Israel. Hostile nations were attacking, which I believe, if I were to consider myself David or, a, or part of that nation at the time, a source of anxiety. Imagine that someone begins to attack Canada through physical force. You think about the war-torn countries in our world. You think about the conflict which is in the front of our news right now in Israel and Palestine. Imagine being the people in those places, what you would feel, think. Hostile nations were attacking, which I imagine would have been a source of fear and anxiety. And this is where this song of worship comes from. God says in the midst of that surrounding hostility, be still and know that I am God. The Hebrew word for be still means to release or let go. Relax. It says, do not be anxious. We were here last week. We were talking about that scripture in the New Testament. Do not be anxious, but be still and know that I am God. Trust in him, for he is with you. That's where this, this psalm comes from. God is saying to the worshipers, to David, to the nation, relax. Stop trying to control this. Trust me. There's a word right there. Stop trying to control. Let go of control. How many of us feel like we need to have control over our situations, especially those difficult ones? Maybe there's something happening in your workplace, conflict, Maybe something with your child or children. Maybe something with your spouse. Maybe there's something in your life. And you feel like, as we all do, we need to be in control. We want to be in control. We feel comfortable when we're in control. God is saying in this text, let go of control and trust me. When Jesus would later say in the New Testament, do not worry about for tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough to worry about. You know, I think as, a, as a, in my flesh, naturally, well, how can you say that? Like, this is a big situation. I'm naturally going to worry. Well, he says it because God says, let go of control. I've got this. Like that, that would be like the, the 2024, maybe not 2024. That's like 20, 2009 lingo. Let go, I got this. I got this. 
But that's a problem for us because the way for you and me is rarely one of stillness. The way of life for us is is not stillness. Stillness is near impossible. We don't do that well. Life is busy. Life is hurried. Life is fast-paced. And if we're not moving with it, something gets dropped. In uh, the book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, Tyler Statton, the author, gives three reasons why he believes this fast-paced society is the way it is. The invention of the clock, the invention of the light bulb, and the release of the iPhone. In 19, sorry, 19, in 1370, the first clock was set up in Germany. Prior to this time, people orchestrated their life around natural time, but this historians point to was the moment in history when people shifted from natural time to artificial time. People previously woke with the sun and went to bed with its setting. There was a rhythm. Longer days in the summer, come Lord Jesus, come. Shorter days in the winter, But in 1370, people started managing time artificially. Time shifted from being a limit to a resource that can be controlled. And then in 1879, Edison invented the light bulb, cutting away at sleep. Did you know that the average American, North American, slept 10 hours a day before the light bulb? Oh, I was born in the wrong era. That's not true because the Lord pointed me to be born at such a time as this. And you also. Now with the increased potential for productivity because we have artificial light, technology took off. The AC, dishwasher, laundry machines, heating, microwaves were all invented by the 1960s. In 1967, there was a U.S. Senate subcommittee that predicted by 1985, the year I was born, that the average person would work 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. What they thought would be advancements in technology that would create more time for leisure and rest and stillness actually was spent on other things. By 2007, the first iPhone was released And by 2016, studies have revealed that the average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. By 2019, the average person spends five hours a day on their phone. Instead of slowing us down and freeing up time, all these advancements in technology ushered us into what the mental health professionals call hurry sickness. A behavioral pattern characterized by rush and anxiety. In that kind of world, in this world, be still doesn't compute well. Dallas Willard, who is a thinker and author on spiritual formation, once was famously asked, what must I do to be spiritually healthy? And after a long pause, he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There's a great book written about that from that quote by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I encourage you to read it. He went on to say, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. Carl Jung, a Swiss psychiatrist in the early 20th century, is attributed as saying, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. I could go on. But this way of life has left us anxious and busy, and with a deep internal need to control. And it's in this world that we get this invitation. I give it to you this morning. Be still and know that He is God.
let go and trust me. This was essentially the words that Jesus spoke when the disciples were on the boat, caught in the storm, and they feared drowning. They looked at Jesus and said, don't you care that we drown? And he got up, and what did he do to the storm? He rebuked it. He said, be still. And then he looked at his disciples and called them out for their lack of faith. They were overcome by fear. They lost control of their mind and heart in the storm instead of trusting Jesus. Be still, Jesus says. Trust me. In the Latin Vulgate, um, the Latin translation of the Bible, the term be still is a, a Latin word called vacate. It's where we get our term vacation. I like that. God is saying, take a vacation. And trust in me. Release control. Vacate from the anxiety, the rush, the need to be in control. And trust in me. Because if you're in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, you belong to him. And if he is for you, the Bible says, what can stand against you? Stillness is a posture we take in prayer but so that it can become a state of being in our life. Someone once said that prayer is the act of seeing reality from God's point of view. God who created the farthest reaches of the galaxy and the most intricacies of a human being. When you think of the Hubble telescope and all the images it gives us, right? And you see these, these incredible images of nebulas and star births and galaxies. It's 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 awesome. It's full of awe. It's incredible. And when you, when you, when scientists and, 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 you know, advancements in technology can, can show us the complexity of, of human biology, it's, it's incredible. It's full of awe. It's mind-blowing. Psalms chapter 8 verse 3 says it like this, when I consider the heavens and the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, who is man that you are mindful of him? In prayer, Stillness is where God migrates from the periphery back into the center. And then our prayers flow out of seeing reality from his point of view. I can only do that when I pause and recognize who it is that I pray to. Be still. And then this posture becomes an act of defiance against a fast-paced society that organizes itself against God. Hurry is the culture, slow is the pace of the Lord. If you look at Jesus, he was never in a hurry to get anywhere. In fact, he was interruptible, right? He stopped when someone would interrupt him to give them time and attention. Someone wants to find love as unhurried pace because hurry is usually what's behind unloving acts, frustration, anger, bouts of rage. It's all because of hurry. Be still. So how do we accept this invitation? What does this look like? Practically, what does it look like to let go and trust in God? Simply, it's introducing a spiritual habit or practice called silent prayer. Or silence and solitude. Even more simply, it's just quiet time with God. An age-old tradition that has helped many followers of Jesus throughout the centuries. I just want to walk you through this a little bit. Might be, you might be like, I know this, I do this, that's fine. Bear with us, 
for the sake of the rest of us. What does this look like? The three elements to this. Number one is you pick a consistent time. A consistent time. And this will look different for each of us. Maybe it's the morning, which I would suggest. I remember a youth leader of mine when I was a first a youth pastor described to me watching his father every morning he would wake up and he'd see his father on a certain chair reading the word and in prayer. And his dad would instruct him, you don't sharpen your sword after the battle, you sharpen your sword before the battle. And that stuck with me. I was like, yeah. But, you know, in our fast-paced, busy world, sometimes that doesn't work. And it doesn't matter. It could be the evening. Maybe the evening is a space for you. Maybe for you, it's that moment of silence after you drop off the kids. And there's kind of like that, that just short few minutes of just peace before you have to get into the day. Maybe it's your lunch break at work. It doesn't really matter when it happens so much as there is consistency. Consistency helps the posture grow. A second thing is that you create a regular space. We kind of talked about this a little last week. You pick a place that can be holy ground, a meeting place for you and God. Mine in this season is my living room couch. Sometimes it's absent of a, of a toddler. Sometimes it's very present with a toddler. But it's my living room couch. Maybe for you, it's a certain chair. Maybe you're one of those people that got yourself a nice lazy boy and you just have it set up in a certain particular way and that's your spot. Hey, that could be a great place to meet with God. Maybe it's the kitchen table for you. You know, you have those like warm lights you turn on, not those bright lights, but the warm lights you turn on and you sit with God. Maybe it's for you, your commute, driving in your car. Maybe for you, it's walking around your neighborhood because sitting is difficult for you. Doesn't matter really where, but maybe in that spot, you grab yourself coffee in your Bible and you sit. Maybe you don't do coffee and so you grab yourself a water with a little lemon. Maybe that's too far the other way, so you get a tea right in the middle or whatever. And then number three is you be still and get quiet. This is the most challenging part. Prayer doesn't begin with you speaking. It begins with God. So you just, in that regular space, in that consistent time, sit in stillness and quiet. You might begin by saying a word to focus your attention. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Have mercy on me. Maybe just whisper his name to draw your attention and then sit still. And it's here that we are resisting the urge to hurry. And we're resisting the urge to worry. And we're resisting the urge to be in control. We're just letting go and letting God now I would suggest a timer, set it for a certain duration. Five to ten minutes is a good starting place. You say, well, I don't have five, ten, ten minutes. Yes, you do. Well, you don't know my day. Well, I don't, but you can make five to ten minutes happen. Well, I got lots going on. Get up earlier. Well, I can't get I already get up really early. Well, go to bed later. You can make five minutes of time. You always make time for what's most important to you. So you can make time. Jesus, it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that he often got up when it was still dark and went to a solitary place and prayed. Take five to ten minutes of a timer, set a timer, because you're going to be tempted to look at your watch or the clock or your phone. But the point is not to be distracted, it's to be still. 
And then when that timer goes off, you can open up the Word and you can read it or you can say, you can say your prayers. But this five to ten minutes is just silence before the Lord. I like what Eugene Peterson said in the message paraphrase of Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus was talking about prayer. and This is how Eugene Peterson paraphrased it. He says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. Quiet time becomes that intentional space where we encounter God. And unfortunately, most Christians today don't do that. We believe in God. We claim to follow God. We attempt to live out his teachings, but we don't meet with him. Now, thank the Lord that we worship in spirit and in truth, and he does not reserve his presence for a particular place, right? But we can travel and be anywhere. Your quiet time can literally be on the way to your work. You can, you can in the middle of your work, you can call on him, and he is there, right? That is the beautiful thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from again. The, tur- the curtain temple was torn in two, and so we had access to the presence of God anywhere, at all times. But to really see us fan into flame the gift that has been given to us, as Paul talks about, we need that regular meeting space. Just like in a marriage relationship or a relationship with someone, I don't just, you know, sh- shoot text messages all the time and hope that the relation grows and, and just pass by them like ships in the night. How, how meaningful and deep, deep of a relationship of a marriage would I have if that's how it existed? No, what do you do? You set aside time to be with that person to develop the relationship. And that's what the quiet time does. That's what the quiet time does. I'm going to invite Elizabeth. You can come. Our story, the story of the Bible, begins with a regular, intentional encounter with God in a specific space in the garden. Genesis chapter 3 says it like this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? This scene implies that this was a regular occurrence. God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. So much so that after they had sinned, they felt compelled to hide behind some bushes. As if you could hide from the Creator. This was the original intent of creation was to walk with God. And notice that the text doesn't say that God ran through the garden or that hurried on his way to go meet some angels about what was going to happen later on. He walked. That was his pace. I imagine Adam and Eve walking with the Lord and listening and sharing and talking, and there's this conversation that occurs much like two friends would have as they go about a walk together. This is the original, be still, and know that I am God. This was the plan. This is still the plan. We need to create space for this. The word garden in Hebrew means a hidden or covered or secret place. We all need a secret place where we can go and meet with God, a garden, 
so to speak. When Elijah, I mentioned him earlier, was asked by God to go and stand on the mountaintop in the presence of the Lord and wait for the Lord to pass by, the Scripture revealed to us that a, that a mighty wind came, a powerful wind came, and God was not in the wind, and then a powerful earthquake, noise, breaking, shaking of the ground, nothing, and then fire came. And fire often is a depiction of the Lord, but He wasn't in any of that. And then it says there was, the, there was a gentle whisper. And at the gentle whisper, Elijah covered his face because that is where God was. It's most often in the stillness that we meet God. Now, when we get still before God, that's not, the goal is not to get a revelation. The goal isn't even to hear though that may happen. Can I tell you a quick story? I wasn't going to tell this, but I'm going to tell it. I was putting Emmy down, our five-year-old daughter, the other day. And usually by this, the end of the evening, she's tired and exhausted, and all the emotions are everywhere. Five-year-old little girl. And the boys was always easier, I found, to say, okay, say your prayers, and they would pray something. Emmy's a little bit of a challenge sometimes. She's like, I don't want to pray. I'm too tired. I just want to. So I said, well, and ironically, I was tired too. So I'm like, why don't we just sit and listen to God? She's like, well, I don't hear God. I said, well, we can try. So why don't we just sit and listen? She's like, well, how? I said, I'll show you. Okay, let's close our eyes. And just we'll, we're, we're going to say, Jesus, speak. And then whatever thought comes in our mind, maybe that will be a thought from him. I have no idea how this is going to go. No idea. 30 seconds in, I'm like, okay, did you hear anything? Biggest smile comes on her face. She turns to me like, like someone just gave her the biggest lollipop out of nowhere. She's like, he told me that he loved me and that I'm beautiful. And I thought, yeah, that's right. And I said, do you know how I know that's right? Because the Bible says that he loves you. And the Bible says that you are wonderfully made. But not that we go to stillness to hear from God, though that may happen. We go to stillness to still ourselves and trust in Him. We go to stillness to let go of worry and let go of hurry and to position ourselves before mighty God who has our life in His hands. It's a trust thing. It's a faith thing. Before we step into fast-paced society, we go to stillness to release everything to Him. So here's how I want to close today. I want to close by setting a timer on my phone for five minutes. And we're just going to sit before God in stillness. Are you serious? Yeah. For real? For real. And we're just going to position ourselves before God. Quietly, reverently. Maybe he will speak to you. Maybe you'll sense something. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll feel incredibly awkward and uncomfortable because you've never done this before. That's, that's a high probability if you've never done this. If you're a go, go, go person, you're going to feel uncomfortable. But we're just going to sit in stillness. Elizabeth's going to play nicely, so it's not completely quiet. Don't worry. And we're just going to offer our, ourselves to God in this moment. Would you bow your heads? Come, Lord Jesus, come.
Let's get still.
don't know if you can hear that. That's the end of the alarm. Now, it wasn't bad. It's not hard. It can be a little uncomfortable if you're not used to it. It's a lot easier in this setting than it may be in your own setting. That's why the alarm is important because the tendency is to, how much time do I got here? But that way you can just let go. And by incorporating a time of stillness, and it can be longer than this and it can look different, but by incorporating a time of stillness in my routine with the Lord and letting go in that moment, I teach my heart and my soul to let go in the other moments that come. So this team of worshipers got this song from the Lord, heard this from the Lord in a time of hostility. Be still and know that I am God. How do we do that? By practicing stillness. Just like fasting helps us and teaches us to deny ourselves and say no, stillness helps us to let go. Now, if you don't know, okay, how do, how do I make this happen? Here's a really simple way for you, okay? If you're, if you're trying to figure out Bible routine, daily Bible routine, give yourself 15 minutes. You just said five. I know. And now I'm in, increasing it to 15. 15 minutes throughout your day. The first five minutes, be still. When your timer goes off and you've just postured yourself before Almighty God who sits on the throne of all things, then open up the Bible and read some scripture. Let him speak to you before you speak to him. For five minutes, stillness, five minutes, read the Bible. And then the last five minutes, you can bring your, your prayer request to God. And there you have a routine that you can create in your life daily that can become habit that will help you grow closer to God and learn to revere Him and let go of the hurry and let go of the control and trust in Him. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the truths found within it. Thank You that You still teach us the same things, God. You do not change. You are the same yesterday today and forevermore. And so this truth of stillness still rings to us today. And I pray that we would learn the value of it. We would learn that you are the King of all kings and Lord of all lords, God. And we put into practice measures like this to help our bodies step into that truth of trusting in you. We say today that we let go and we release control to you in the name of Jesus. Bless you, God. Bless you that you have our lives. Maybe there's someone here, God, with a, a difficult, challenging situation, and, and worry and concern and fear has gripped them. Your word says you've not given us a spirit of fear. But I pray that they would learn and hear this invitation, that you, you invite us to come and be still before you because you have us in your hands. We love you, Lord. We bless you in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're in need of, uh, of prayer this morning, we're going to have a team of people at the front here that you can come and pray with. But I challenge you, along with your fast, to now include stillness into your routine. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. 
If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.